There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positives or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Well, I think this is edition number 189 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat award-winning, if only in my own mind, presented by my friends at Beans Coffee Company. It is the Minnesota Golden Gophers football review and preview edition with Daniel House from gophersguru.com and on the X machine at Daniel House MN. Somebody asked me this morning if I was able to get that over my head. And I can't get a broomstick over my head, guys. So let alone uh, Floyd uh, with my shoulder surgery. So, uh, but that's the first time we've had both of those in the building since 1993, 30 years. And uh, that means a lot. I don't think, uh, you know, when you sit there and think about you got to take that stuff in at least for a few hours or minutes or seconds uh, or else, well, you know, what are you doing it for? So we did that yesterday with our football team, and, uh, and now we go back to work. Beg, borrow, steal, grand theft auto, grand theft larceny. Daniel House, it doesn't matter. You take that pig, you get out of there, and you get back to Dinky Town. We will take it. Controversy or no controversy. Gophers, get the win. The pig is back for the first time in two presidential administrations i think it would be two if you do the yeah. math good, yeah good good to see that thing back what a wild sequence of events but you always expect that when games are played at kinnick stadium every year there's always something that goes on wild in that game and you, you got to find a way to win those two three plays that we talked about last week they got to go your way and they went minnesota's way in this game and they played Very, very well on defense. Outstanding defensive performance. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the invalid fair catch, the signal or not the signal, whatever you want to to call it. All I will say, and I actually thought about just not talking about it, period, but I was watching because I, I, I love pain and I love watching others go through pain. So I've been watching a lot of Iowa stuff this week. And of course they see it entirely different than Minnesota fans do, which is fine. I can't say with great certainty that if the shoe was on the other foot, I wouldn't be upset and angry about what happened. However, when you look at the letter of the law and past plays, I know you tweeted even out a few, one that I remembered off the top of my head, the Wisconsin Northwestern game, this is not without precedent. And When you're running towards a football, pointing but also waving, and then the Iowa head football coach says he's just trying to keep his balance, nobody nobody runs like they have a bad wing using one arm to keep them from tumbling over. I mean, that's a little bit of an embarrassing reply to me. I I agree with the head coach. I really don't, the head coach of the University of Minnesota, I don't see anything controversial here. The only thing that's controversial is, You'd prefer that the officiating crew catches it right away and just calls the play dead. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, that's the key. Yeah, that's the key because that's how it's supposed to be. And that's what happened in the Minnesota game earlier this year versus Eastern Michigan. That I tweeted out 
didn't happen in the 2015 Wisconsin example. However, Paul Chris, after the game, clearly understood what the rule was that any sort of signal like that, the returner can't advance it. And I believe, in my opinion, that there's just a lack of knowledge in what constitute what the what the rule actually entails. You know, I think there's a miscommunication about that it has to be a fair catch over the head, uh, and that's not the case. So the interpretation of the rule is something that I don't know if they're going to go and try to clarify. I think when you put fair catch into that invalid fair catch signal into that, it sometimes can be confusing because people think over the head fair catch, or maybe if they clarified that, just call it an invalid signal or something like that, it might help, but it needs, it might need some more clarity. I don't know, but it was the right call. And, uh, I'm certainly certainly ready to not talk about that one. And we'll be done with it. That's all I have to say about that. I want to give props to the Gopher defense. I know the Iowa passing game is largely non-existent and not very good for a multitude of reasons. They were pretty good on the first drive, even though defender was there, pretty good coverage, but Iowa makes a really nice catch down the sidelines to get the bulk of their passing yards. They got the bulk of their passing yards and I guess game yards on the first drive to start the game. But it wasn't necessarily the Gopher secondary holding up. I think we all would expect and hope that they would hold up. It's how well they shut down the running game on Saturday, which exactly is exactly what Iowa was going to have to do to win the game was run the football and they just couldn't. They actually put Deacon Hill and Iowa in a lot of passing situations, which led to some fumbles and some turnovers. The Gophers didn't get a ton of points off those turnovers, but at least Iowa wasn't sustaining drives, getting points themselves, or flipping the field with the soon-to-be Heisman-winning punter, Tory Taylor. Early down run defense was the biggest factor coming in. Play mistake-free football. You weren't turning it over able to get a couple of takeaways win the takeaway battle which turnover battle which is huge didn't get destroyed in the field position category of the game because you're able to create some of those takeaways and get your offense in uh, favorable drive start situations it, it was outstanding physicality at the point of attack from the defensive line especially in the interior i thought kyler baugh Devin eastern played very well jalen logan redding had a huge sack at the end of the game and making a big impact when he kicks inside on passing downs. Rossi had a really good plan. Guys were ready to play. Devin Williams and Maverick Baranowski played their best game of the season. Recognition, run fits, tackling, just everything that you want to see as they continue to develop. I mean, that's what I've been telling everybody is this developmental track, it, it, it's not linear for, for guys when they come in. They got There's going to be highs and lows, and you got to live with those until – you experience those in-game reps and learn from the things that you see. But, I mean, they were ready for everything. Those gap schemes I was running with the pullers, they were able to make sure they didn't get any vertical movement off of those. Uh, it was just very detailed defense outside of that drive before halftime. I mean, they were able to get off the field there on third down, but then you get a face mask penalty and drive continues, and then a couple, three more penalties, and Deacon Hill is, is in the end zone. So I look at th- that, outside of that, absolutely outstanding defensive performance in every facet. Now the offensive side, I felt there was stuff out there to be had. It's Again, it's execution, it's ball placement, it's accuracy, it's not dropping the ball. Like 
there are opportunities available. Now it's all about executing when they're there. Uh, I felt like if those things happened, the whole flow and uh, way the game went, it, it could have been a lot different, honestly. So I'm going to go uh, all Ryan Burns on this for a quick second here uh, with um, Gopher Illustrated and the Parent Parent Spare podcast, and I think he's got his own Gridiron podcast. I'm going to give him some props because he's been on this for years, and I have too, but I, we, we talk about it a little bit on this podcast, but I do want to spend a little bit of time on it today because for as well as the Gophers out Iowa Iowa, to win that game by just not making mistakes and doing just enough to win the game. They almost did make a number of mistakes in the special teams game, letting kickoffs hit the ground, a punt coverage again on the Cooper DeGene punt return for a touchdown. That was not why year in and year out. Daniel house are the Gopher special teams, just quite frankly and bluntly really not any good outside of the place kicker. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's not good. And and I don't know. I feel like this is something the coach should really care about, but year seven with the same special teams coordinator, I'm not saying he doesn't care about it, but does he not see the issues that everybody else sees? Field position margin the past few years. I mean, it, it, it's been honestly one of the factors that's helped them win football games. I mean, I've studied field position margin extensively in college football for a number of years and gophers have been, you know, relatively solid in those areas. And now this year it's been, you know, just a few occasional lapses where somebody fields a, a kickoff and steps out of bounds at the three and you're backed up or, you know, I thought the wind played a role in the Iowa game. You got the ball, the wind swirling around in there. Your placement of your return men have to be, probably a little bit different and probably wanted that back. Um, but, you know, special teams, I think, you know, strategically you have to be able to execute all the time because look at what I was able to do. I mean, they're, they're constantly winning the field position battle and it's giving them an edge when their offense isn't successful. I do believe that like there are things such as, placement of returners that, you know, I don't know what goes into the the process of deciding how deep those guys are going to be. Uh, I think catching punts when you can is always the best philosophy, especially when you're in a landing zone area that I actually wrote a lot about bounce on punts where, you know, when that ball lands at the 20 and it rolls, there's a lot of, ch- there's a big chance that that ball is going to roll down in. You're going to be able to down it versus, you know, the ball inside the 10 bouncing. Then it's probably a different scenario. As you get closer to the end line, the ball can go out of bounds and, and it can be favorable for you. So I'm always team run up and catch the ball. I think that's something that Minnesota definitely has to evaluate is like, okay, come up and come up and catch the ball when possible. Would you have liked to see the offense be a bit more aggressive in the latter moments of the game versus a couple times just immediately punting the ball back to Iowa? The two that obviously come to mind are late in the game. You have the ball around midfield. You go three and out and punt. And then I actually had no problem with the pass play that was called. But uh, in their last drive, 
But I would like to have rather seen something like that in the second to last drive. That last drive, you can make the case, okay, let's just run the ball three times, try and get a first down. If not, make Iowa burn all their timeouts. But I'm not gonna, I'm not going to hang the coach for that because I'm the one that does want him to be slightly more aggressive. I just thought there was a potential for more meat on the bone and for the game to be a little more anticlimactic than it was. Uh, another one, easier said than done. There was an opportunity for a scoop and score on the fumble recovered at the 10-yard line. Uh, what I'm really getting at, Daniel, it's really bad when the team falls on a fumble at the 10-yard line, and I automatically assume, and based off of everybody that I know, the flood of text messages that I got, well, here's a field goal. You know, when the fan base knows you're probably not going to score a touchdown from the 10-yard line, I think that's a bit of a problem no matter who you're playing. Yeah, I mean, the, the deal is, is Daniel Jackson's breaking open in the red zone. They had him. They did. There. I, I thought, you know, that was an opportunity that could have been executed there. I mean, they, again, it comes back to execution. There, there are a lot of things I feel are out there to be had. It's just like, you know, don't drop the ball, more better accuracy, better ball placement. I mean, you get that shot play at the beginning of the game. What a perfect situation to, to get that look and get crooms open in that fashion one-on-one and you just you can't hit it i mean those type of explosive plays when you get those opportunities you got to hit them I, I go back to that north carolina game where there's some things out there to be had in that game as well and if those plays are executed uh it, it might be a totally different story there i mean you look at that game late you know th- third quarter you're still in the mix there and you aren't able to hit on some of those explosives that were there after the defense settled in. So it's it's the highs and the lows that go with playing a quarterback that, you know, hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience in the Big Ten. And the question is, you know, what will the developmental track look like? Will there be improvement as the season goes on here and then, you know, on into the future? Realistically, how much better can the quarterback get with the deep ball? Because I think the two biggest weaknesses in his game would be uh, foot placement. We see that he gets a little unbalanced at times, but he just seemingly never hits guys that are open in the deep passing game. He did actually last year hit him a few times, specifically the one to Daniel Jackson, I believe, in Lincoln, which was big for the comeback. But even that was dramatically underthrown. If he hits Daniel Jackson in stride, that's going to be an 80-yard touchdown pass. Instead, it was just a, a, a big play. At this point in his career, I'm not saying he won't be, but he's just not a good deep ball thrower at this point. Is that something he can realistically get better at over the next couple of seasons? I feel as if the talent is there. Again, it's consistency. Just tr- just executing the fundamentals, the the pocket movement, the using your your lower half properly, not throwing off your front foot. Uh, it's all of the things that go into playing the quarterback position that I don't think like the casual fan maybe understands is like you get up to the line of scrimmage, you got to ID the coverage, you got to figure out the protection, you got to look and hypothesize what you're going to see, and then you got to you know think about what type of drop you're using and what the routes are going to be and how the routes change based on the coverage you got. What do you do if the coverage rotates out and, and you're seeing something that you don't typically see? Like the the ability to process information in a split second, that weighs on you mentally and then maybe causes you to make some physical mistakes that you wouldn't typically make. So I believe that's part of 
developing a quarterback. And we just got to see what happens as more coaching and more in-game experience happens here. Are those plays able to be executed? Because I feel as if, like we've said that a few times throughout the season, and it's, it's not just quarterback either. I mean, it's like dropping passes occasionally. It's just detail lapses that, you know, you got to be able to clean up. But the good news is the plays are there. Once they are executed, I feel like the offense will start to find some plays uh, in a variety of ways. Daniel brings up consistency. I consistently have great mornings thanks to my friends at Beans Coffee Company, who, of course, support Minnesota Sports Chat. It is hard to believe, but the holidays, they're basically here. Halloween in just a handful of days, Thanksgiving to follow. We all know everything that comes in December. Check out coffeebybeans.com for the perfect gift this upcoming holiday season for the coffee fanatic in your life. Beans Coffee Company, they have the best small batch coffee around and available in many blends and flavors. You can order by the bag. You can get a gift set. Even set up a coffee subscription if that's something that you are want to do at coffeebybeans.com. Light, medium, and dark roast, they have something for the coffee drinker in your family, your friend group. They have it all. Your morning cup of coffee is important, so why not drink the best cup of coffee around and support a Minnesota company while doing so. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders over $35. Visit coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT and you'll save at checkout. That's coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. As we get set to talk about Michigan State, a reminder, please make sure you rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat. That's a great way to support me. You can do that on Apple and Spotify. You can now find the pod on YouTube at Minnesota Sports Chat. Like and subscribe that way. Tell your family and friends all about the podcast. And yes, if you can and you're a coffee drinker, support myself at Beans Coffee Company with that promo code Sports Chat. 0-4 in the Big Ten. Michigan State comes to town this Saturday at a dentist's favorite time. 2.30 at Huntington Bank Stadium. They're big, they're physical, they're long, they're fast. Um, you know, they've, they'll have they hit you, and they'll hit you hard. And uh, they're going after the ball constantly. Um, their blitz package is pretty uh, diverse, so we've got to be ready for that. But they're playing at a high level. Uh, again, anybody who plays against Michigan, you might as well just throw that out. Uh, because you, they're so, I mean, they're, just at, they're, in a different, they're in a different planet right now and that's a compliment uh, because they're in a different plane at a completely different rate than anybody they've played including us and uh but when you watch the other games of what they've done i mean they've they, for three and a half quarters i mean handled a really good Rutgers team that's playing really well right now and then you know ended up uh losing that lead michigan state has lost to washington by a final score of 41 to 7 maryland 31 to 9 the Hawkeye squad, the Gophers were just victorious over 26 to 16. They did have a lead against Rutgers, but lost 27 to 24, and they lost 49 to nothing to Michigan. Are they really playing at a high level, Daniel, or is that just coach speak? They have some issues on both sides of the ball. And I think one will be magnified this week with uh, Simeon Barrow transferring out of the program, a starting defensive tackle who is 
creating a lot of pressure and is an impactful player. Maybe will be one of the most coveted players in the transfer portal in this next cycle, uh, leaving the team. Uh, I'm watching that storyline. I'm looking at their defense, thinking that the linebacker room is exploitable, especially in coverage. You're able to do some things. This could be a Brevin Span Ford game where I feel like he could gain some confidence and break out. Uh, they missed a lot of tackles on defense. They're one of the bottom at the bottom half of the Big Ten in tackling. Uh, Angelo Gross, a slot corner. I think you can kind of exploit him through some scheme stuff. Uh, Minnesota could run the ball. Last year, they did some things schematically that worked that I'm going to write about uh, on the website, maybe some ways that they could expand off of that. Uh, Noah Kim started the first five games at quarterback, got benched for Hauser, who played the last two games. Uh, blitz pressure struggled against that, just pressure in general. A lot of those pressures turn into sacks. So I think creating good interior push, compressing the pocket, putting him in situations where his vision and throwing lanes are affected, uh, running the ball, Nathan Carter, uh, he's picked up 60% of his yardage after contacts, a swarm into the ball, wrapping up playing with good fundamentals is important. I, I think Ross, the big takeaway that I have from Michigan State is this Keon Coleman transfer right before the season, him going to Florida State and becoming a star. That really hurt their offense because they're missing that one dynamic alpha wide receiver that can win horizontally and vertically and create a lot of yards after catch and just do all the things that you need to do uh, in the offensive scheme to make this thing work. And him being gone, I feel as if they just don't have, I mean, Foster and Mosley are two solid receivers, but they don't have that star in that position. I think that's impacting their offense quite a bit. If the Gophers get pressure and specifically get pressure with the front four, this is a game, not saying it'll happen, but if the Gophers can do that, this is a game that feels like they could win it comfortably. And I don't like to say that because until you play the game, you just never really know. But there's an opportunity here to, I think, build off the Iowa win, get another win, maybe by a score or two, and feel really good about yourself heading into November. Yeah, I just think this is this is the type of game where you're coming off an emotional high, uh, the way that game ended, the win that you had against Iowa, bringing the pig back, all that. You got to dial back in. You got to play a well-executed game. Come out and make play put all the puzzle pieces together, play a clean, well-executed game in all three phases, because I think this is a game where you can do some things to exploit some clear weaknesses. And we'll talk about that in the write-up on uh, gophersguru.com. There are some things schematically that I think Minnesota can do to create some headaches. Their offensive line, I think, especially the left tackle, uh, is someone that they could get some one-on-one matchups with and, and win possibly as well. And then some pressure package stuff that I saw based on uh, film studying the numbers that I think could could work as well. So like you said, you got to be able to uh, set the tone in this game, come out and, and convincingly execute for the full game. We don't really know who will be available to the Gophers in the backfield, but is it fair mm-hmm. to say they should be able to run the ball a little bit on Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, we'll see here what, what happens with availability. You might be uh, going with a little bit of Sean Tyler and Jordan Newbin, Tyler Newbin's brother, at running back. And uh, Sean Tyler's got experience. He can certainly, you know, fulfill that snap role, especially against uh, a team like this. I feel as if 
uh, some outside zone might be part of the the mix that they could do some things formationally to be able to run the ball. I I tell you what, I feel like it's been lost in the shuffle, but Minnesota's offensive line has played really well this year. Like execution in a run game, pass protection, like Ethan's had a lot of time to throw on play action specifically. Uh, they had a lot of turnover up there, but Brian Callahan is proven why he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Minnesota has played physical up front in every game they've played this year. And I feel we've talked a lot about execution lapses before and in past games and everything, but offensive line has played very well and and they deserve a lot of credit for the success here. The Gophers, as we record this on a Wednesday for a Thursday release, currently seven point favorites and Daniel, because I'd like to bring it up for whatever it's worth. Per ESPN, the Gophers have a 66.3% chance at winning the game. Do what you will with that information. This is the same metric that told us last week the Gophers had a 27% chance at beating Iowa. A quick look around the Big Ten. You have Indiana at Penn State, Maryland at Northwestern, Michigan State at Minnesota, Purdue at Nebraska. All kind of meh for national appeal. The one game that might have some appeal is a night game on NBC. It's Ohio State at Wisconsin. Ohio State currently favored by roughly 14 points. House, I'm not saying it will happen. I don't believe it will happen. But I can see Wisconsin being plucky and maybe stealing a game. I don't believe that that will happen. But this isn't the easiest environment for Ohio State to go into. Yeah, I don't think Ohio State will have any trouble in this game. I think the playmakers on the outside for Ohio State, I think Marvin Harrison will have a big game. Wisconsin secondary is exploitable. And that defense, Jim Knowles has got that defense playing extremely well right now. The pass rush, everybody is in sync. That secondary is playing maybe some of the best ball in college football right now. Uh, I feel like Wisconsin's offense isn't going to be able to do much and that Ohio State's speed is going to be an X factor in that game. My odd take, I think down the stretch here, Nebraska is going to beat somebody that maybe people wouldn't expect on paper because that defensive scheme, I said it the week one, everybody was all fired up about, you know, Minnesota couldn't run the ball against Nebraska. Well, go back and look now. Nobody's really been able to run the ball against Nebraska, and they created a ton of tackles for loss and negative plays. And that scheme is so unique where they're moving between fronts and they're showing you this and that. There will be somebody at the end of the year, maybe Iowa, maybe Wisconsin. Nebraska will definitely uh, surprise with a big win uh, at the end of the season here. Well, and if Minnesota can win out, aside from maybe Ohio State or just winning out and beating Ohio State would be incredibly helpful. But if Minnesota can win out, and let's just say they lose to Ohio State, if they get some help from a team like Nebraska or Rutgers, heck, the Gophers still can wind up winning the Big Ten West. Time will tell on that. Daniel, final question for you. Let's say you're home at 2.30, you got your sweatpants on, you're cooking something on the grill, you got the popcorn out. You spending most of your time watching Florida, Georgia, or are you watching Oregon and Utah? Or are you flipping? You got the flip going? But between those, if I have to watch those two games? Yeah, if those are your two choices. Oh, I'm picking the SEC all day, man. Oh, SEC really? Really? 
even yeah. even over number eight and thirteen. Okay, all right. I see I you. I'm I'm a consumer. I'm a consumer that goes around and watches a lot of games. Like I don't zone in on one game specifically oh, very often. You should see. I have like college football ADD on Saturday. I'm all over need, the place. They need college red zone though. I've said that for a long time. Somebody please give us college red zone and just go between games all all day. Do you remember when ESPN News had that a few years back? But it was only for games on like the ESPN family and networks. If they could come up with a way for the the networks to get an agreement on that, they would make so much money. That, that would, would be, be awesome. Unbelievable. What is at the site that people need to know about? I know you've done a, a little hat tip to a few items, but what else is there? Yeah, you can go check out the breakdown on the defense, how they're able to put together a great scheme and adjust some things during the bye week. And then also the preview coming up for Michigan State, Minnesota, uh, in-depth details on some trends that I've noticed in matchups that could end up defining the outcome of the game. So, gophersguru.com, $5 a month gets you access. You're the best, buddy. We'll do this again next week. We'll review Michigan State and preview Illinois. Brett Bielema has beaten Minnesota all nine times. I think he's 9-0 and against Minnesota. That'll be a talking point, I think, next week. House, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That'll do it for this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat, the preview and review edition of Gophers Football. Again, Daniel is back next week to talk more Gophers Football. Thank you for consuming this pod. Thank you for consuming Beans Coffee Company. And thank you for rating and reviewing Minnesota Sports Chat. I greatly appreciate it. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again real soon.